Welcome to the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Show. Here you will find a variety of podcasts from authors, bloggers, and speakers ready to encourage you on your daily journey. I can't wait to get started. And now let's listen to today's show. This podcast is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Join me, Katie Glennon, on the Literary Cafe podcast, where I share helpful tips and ideas to teach language arts, literature, and writing. My hope is for you to be able to walk away excited to try some new ideas in your own homeschool. Please visit me on my website, literarycafepodcast.com, for these ideas and resources to help you enjoy your homeschool journey. Welcome to our next topic at literarycafepodcast.com. I'm Katie Glennon, your host. Thank you for joining me today. Our topic is how should we study grammar in our homeschool? Or how to diagram or not to diagram? That is the question. Every homeschool moms meeting that I have ever attended where we're there to discuss different language arts curriculum always seems to include the discussion about whether it's necessary to teach diagramming when teaching grammar. And it's kind of funny because you seem to have people who ver- feel very strongly about this. Um, they, they stand on one side or the other. There are those who are going to argue it's absolutely necessary, necessary, and then those who find no need for it at all. Now, as an English major and also a former English teacher, I fall in the middle somewhere. And I know that sounds a little strange, but let me explain. Personally, being the word nerd that I am, I love diagramming and putting words and phrases in their proper places and assigning their proper labels when dissecting a sentence. And I can see how it helps learners to learn and apply the different uses of certain words in a sentence. For example, a noun can have different uses in a sentence. And depending on that use, it would be not only placed in a different location in the sentence, but it would end up in a different location in the diagram with a specific label. If it's being used as a subject in the sentence, for example, it would probably be one of the first words in the diagram. If it's being used as a predicate noun or a direct object or an indirect object, it would be placed in other locations in the diagram. The same thing with other parts of speech and uh, and their uses in a sentence. So for learners who love following a list of steps, filling out outlines, following guides, This type of learning and thinking with an organized structure and placing words according to category, this would appeal to them and might lead to better understanding and retention of learning the grammar and the parts of speech and their uses in a sentence. This thinker is naturally a more linear thinker and naturally appreciates things presented in a more structured way format for them, as well as taking information and manipulating it in their own brains in a more structured format. However, then you have learners that are (laughs) nonlinear, and these are the people who 
might be or who are overwhelmed by the task of even learning how to diagram and draw and use the diagramming structure. And it may not be the most effective way for them to learn about the parts of speech and their uses because the whole learning opportunity becomes just learning how to diagram. And the process of just diagramming becomes their main focus or frustration. And then actually learning about the grammar and the parts of speech and their uses becomes a secondary focus or maybe even lost entirely. So this is why I say I'm somewhere in the middle. Whether you diagram or not really does not depend on the necessity of knowing how to diagram. Okay, and I say this because the question is, is it even necessary to know how to diagram? The question isn't, is it necessary to know grammar? There are some people who feel like there's not, that's not really necessary as long as you are learning how to write. I don't go that far. I think you should have a good basic foundation in grammar because it does help with your writing and for you to be able to identify if you're writing well or what mistakes you're making in your own writing. However, knowing how to diagram, I don't think is necessary. But it does depend on you as the teacher and the learner, and if you both understand how to diagram, and you both would enjoy it, and you think that it would be an effective way for you to learn what you want and need to learn about grammar. Because, and the reason why I say that I don't feel like diagramming is necessary, as an English major and an education major, I didn't diagram in any of my college classes. I had one grammar class and it didn't even use any diagramming. I learned how to diagram in some middle and high school classes from just a couple of teachers who had preferred to use it in their classrooms. I never had to use it in college and the only time I ever had to use it as a teacher was when I was in one particular school who used a particular textbook that taught grammar using the diagramming process. Now, I did attempt to use it with my guys in our homeschool to see if it would click for them, but it didn't, and we found other ways to learn our parts of speech and their uses. Now, if you're concerned about if your child is going to need to know how to diagram for college, I can tell you that non-English majors will most likely be required to take some kind of composition and writing class, a research writing class, with a literature class thrown in there. If you have a learner who expresses an interest in English, or possibly an English major, or an English education type major, and they might enjoy learning how to diagram, you can always choose to go that route just in case they ever need it. Now, if you choose to use diagramming, I would recommend the Rod and Staff series of English textbooks. They have a series that goes up to 8th grade, but they cover content that would normally be included in high school grammar. If you're looking for a secular grammar series with diagramming, I would suggest that you look for some old copies of Werner's English textbooks. Now, I have these resources that I've just mentioned and the rest that I'll be mentioning, along with some other practical suggestions in this podcast, 
in the show notes on this page, literarycafepodcast.com. If you choose to go the non-diagramming route, especially if you have a hands-on learner and even a visual learner, I would recommend trying out Winston Grammar. They have a basic and an advanced level. This curriculum has a workbook with color-coded cards to use to label practice sentences, and it teaches learners to identify the parts of speech and how it's being used in a particular sentence and then how to label it properly. I like this approach because you're leaving the sentence intact and not taking it apart. When you leave the sentence together, you can begin to see patterns of how and where words are used in a sentence. It's almost like a following a formula, which I think is really cool to see, especially if you have a student who is, you know, they, they're convinced they're a non-Englishy kind of person and they're more of a math kind of person. Because if you present the idea of grammar to them in a more formulaic or mathematical type equation, it might make more sense for them. So for example, a lot of sentences um, have a subject and verb structure. So let's say you have an article such as the or a or an. So the formula would be article plus subject plus verb. If you throw in an adjective in there to describe describe the subject or the noun, you would then have article plus sub plus ad, ad, ah, adjective plus subject plus verb. And if you throw in an adverb that tells you how the person is doing that action or that verb, you would then have an article plus adjective plus subject plus verb plus, I'm sorry, let me do that again. Article plus adjective plus subject plus adverb plus verb. I forgot the adverb. So you can see that by adding more types of parts of speech that give you more description and that modify, they call it modify or describe these basic structures like an ad, like a noun or a, or a verb and have an adjective describing the subject or the noun or an adverb describing the verb, you now can build your sentence much like a mathematical formula. So you can begin to recognize and learn these sentence patterns when looking at sentences. So that's for the mathy kind of learners. Now this program covers parts of speech, the Winston Grammar program, and their uses in sentences, just like diagramming. Now I used this program and my guys enjoyed it and learned from it. However, to learn punctuation, capitalization, word choice, um, and usage, word usage, varying or combining sentences, we used another program that I would recommend. And that program is the Easy Grammar series. For the elementary and middle school years, we used the Easy Grammar textbook, which had instruction with practice sentences for different grammar concepts and skills. Alongside this, we used the Daily Grams workbook. And that was for a quick daily review and practice. And it only took maybe five, 10 minutes on top of the grammar lesson from the Easy Grammar textbook. The daily grams give you a daily five quick practice problems, and each one presents a different skill, like punctuation, capitalization, word choice and usage, or sentence combining. 
These are quick practice sentences that were a great way to practice editing skills as well as a quick skill review. There's a high school series called Easy Grammar Ultimate Series, and this starts with 8th grade through 12th grade. Now, the Easy Grammar Ultimate Series is a combination textbook. You've got Easy Grammar with the instruction and the practice, plus the Daily Gram Type Daily Quick Practice Review all in one book. They are quick and they're effective and they're easy to use. They are very good at targeting what your learner is going to need to know. Now, how do you take and use these grammar skills and apply them to what really matters? And this is where the rubber meets the road. We're talking writing. There's no use in being a great grammarian if you can't use it in your writing. And this is where I differ with those who say, ah, they'll learn it by writing. Well, they don't learn grammar unless you're going to be pointing it out to them in their writing. And this is how we did it. We would use this grammar study or curriculum. And at the same time, we would use what I found to be one of the most effective ways to instruct writing in all my years of teaching and with my family. We would use Charlotte Mason methods. Now, before you say, oh, I've heard about that. I don't want to hear about it anymore. I'm not interested. I don't want to use that. Hear me out and hang in there just for two minutes. We used certain methods of Charlotte Mason in the way that it would help us. We didn't follow the Charlotte Mason curriculum and all that kind of stuff. We would use it where I found that it was effective in our writing. And I'll tell you how we did it. We did it in a loose way where we would practice reading aloud together. And then my guys would retell a chapter or a section of something that we just read together in their own words. And it was one of the most effective methods we used in the writing. Now, how does retelling something out loud that you've just heard read to you help you in your writing? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> because this is where the most effective technique comes in. When your learner retells back to you what they've just heard, it not only improves their listening, their recall, and their comprehension skills, but it also helps them with the practice of processing and organizing their thoughts, practicing vocabulary that they're listening to, and formulating sentences to express their thoughts. And this is done in their own brain. Now, we did the narration side with this oral retelling for at least a month or two before we started the actual writing process. These are all important skills in the pre-writing process, and every writer needs to be able to do this before pen putting pencil to paper. Otherwise, you end up with that deer cotton headlight look when you give them a piece of paper and a pencil and ask them to start writing sentences because they don't have this pre-writing practice. It's the same kind of technique that a program such as IEW uses where they give the, the learner something to read first and then they end up writing like a key, what they call a keyword outline from the, um, what they just read and then they start writing from there, from that keyword outline. 
this process I enjoy better than that because it gets your child talking naturally about what they just heard. And it gets them saying in sentences that are natural to them in conversation about what they can remember or they found interesting about what you've just read them. They're already using words to tell you what they just heard and they're using those words and sentences out loud. The idea is you want to then have them, after them speaking those sentences, write those same exact sentences down on a piece of paper. So instead of, so instead of just saying them out loud to you, they're saying them out loud and then they're writing them. And this is the pre-writing process where they're actually formulating what they're going to write about before they start writing. And with this narration, you're already giving them what they're going to write about. So the first major hurdle of writing anything is taken away from them. Then it's how they're going to write it on a piece of paper. And that's what they can concentrate on. So after getting into the habit and the practice of narration and saying these sentences out loud, the next step is to have them write down what they just told you orally. So for my younger guy, this meant that he would draw a picture of something that he just told me about that we just read. And then he would write just one sentence about the picture underneath the picture. That was it. That was how we started. For my older guy who was ready to do more than that, he would also tell me what he remembered or found interesting from what we read and he would tell me the first sentence of his oral narration and write that down on a piece of paper and then he would write the next sentence down and then the next each time he says it out loud so for my guys this was usually reading something in history or a novel that we were reading together and then they, for them, it would mean drawing pictures and writing sentences that they wrote about usually revolved around battles or weapons or kings and rulers. And sometimes it might even involve maybe neat inventions or animals. So pretty soon, both my guys were able to write full pages and then some by the end of the school year. And we were using this pre-writing practice of retelling something first, where they were organizing their thoughts, telling them to me out loud, and then writing one sentence at a time until they were done. And it became a natural process to where they didn't have to hesitate saying one sentence at a time and then writing one sentence at a time after saying each one. They would end up telling me a whole paragraph and then by the time we were finished, they were able to just continue writing that whole paragraph on a piece of paper. They, um, they were using their own natural communication abilities. It's a lot easier for someone to tell you something out loud than it is to write it down because our inner critic becomes uh, stifling when we try to write something down on paper. We end up crossing it out, erasing it, starting over, not being happy with it. We end up even getting stuck because our inner critic doesn't think it's good enough. We end up writing things a lot more formally than we speak. So if we get into the habit of speaking first and then writing down what we just said out loud, we're writing naturally 
we're writing the way we say our sentences out loud. And that's great because that gives your child a natural voice when they're writing. That's the way they naturally communicate. And it won't uh, make them feel stuck when it comes down time to put down ideas on paper because they'll be used to the idea of, oh, I'm just going to write this down the way I just said it. The grammar came into play when some of their narrations on paper that they would write, we would use that to review proper grammar. So everything we read did not become a narration and every narration we did did not become use for grammar. So there would be some narrations that we didn't go over for grammar. When we did pick a piece of narration for grammar, we would read each sentence together and then sometimes if they read it, if they were the one reading out, out loud to me, they would even catch something that they wrote that was an error just because of the way they see it on paper or um, they were listening to themselves read it out loud. And then we would make corrections to certain errors that I felt like they had already learned or that were they were learning from the grammar program that they were doing. And we, I would kind of look over their shoulder when they would write the next narration and make sure that they were not making the same mistake again. And I would point it out to them and have them make sure they write that same type of error, make sure they correct it and write it correctly. So we would repeat this process for every few narrations. And we would always be reviewing anything that I felt that they still needed to review and then maybe adding another new concept or two. Now, something else that we also included in our homeschool to practice our writing skills and our proper grammar was dictation. Now, I know you've heard about dictation from Charlotte Mason if you've heard about Charlotte Mason. The way we did it, and what the way I found most effective, was to practice dictation with the spelling words. Now, they would be practicing their spelling words during the week, and if you want to learn how we did it, you can listen to the podcast about what do we study and how do we study language arts in elementary school. But we would dictate a sentence. I would dictate a sentence to them for each spelling word that they had for that week. And this would be for a weekly spelling test at the end of the week. And I would grade them only for the correcting the spelling word. But the rest of the sentence I would look, I would use to see how they were doing with their grammar. And I would pick and choose certain mistakes out of that dictated sentence to review with them and make sure that in the future that I would kind of peek over their shoulder and make sure they got it right from then on. And usually for dictation sentences, it was capitalization and punctuation most of the time that we were reviewing. Now the last practice method um, we would use would, um, would be using copy work. And when I say copy work, I'm talking about sentences that I would select from novels that we were reading aloud together or novels that they were reading on their own. Now this might be C.S. Lewis or Tolkien or Mark Twain. And um, they would be classical type stories, even starting with something as young as Charlotte's Web. I would look for certain passages or sentences or even one sentence at a time, depending upon how old my child was and their ability. And it would, I would make sure it would contain certain skills or concepts of grammar that they should know or that we were in the process of learning with their grammar program. 
they would practice copying these passages almost every day for a week. And I would look at it with them and then point out any punctuation, capitalization, or other type of features that I think that they should know and that needed correcting. Now, this also gave them, and here's the multitasking side, um, is this gave them practice in their handwriting. And I would print out workshop worksheets with the copywork passage at, at websites like handwritingworksheets.com that would show the proper way to write the letters as well. So they were not only copying certain passages or sentences from good writers and learning good writing style and technique, but they were also practicing their handwriting. Now, it's, this was really cool when I began to notice that even as young as fourth grade, my guys who loved C.S. Lewis and also Tolkien and Mark Twain, they would start maybe just for fun trying their hand at writing their own little short stories and their writing actually started sounding like Tolkien from doing so much copy work from that author. Their sentence structure was longer and more mature and had different phrases or clauses in them, the vocabulary, um, the punctuation, just from following another writer's writing because of the practice of copy work. Now, I encourage you to try some of these techniques just to get your child on the path of getting some words down on paper. And you'll notice how naturally it comes when, if they're using their own words the way they have already said them out loud to you. And if you have them just say a sentence to you one sentence at a time and then have them just write, you need to help remember how they phrased that sentence. So listen carefully when they tell you that one sentence. And you can help them then write that sentence down on a piece of paper. And the more you practice that technique, you'll notice that it's going to start flowing more naturally. Now, I hope from this podcast that I've taken the mystery and the stress out of teaching grammar to your learners and that I've given you some practical ideas and some resource suggestions that you will find easy to use in your homeschool. So thanks again for listening and joining me at the Literary Cafe podcast. And if you have any questions or ideas or resource suggestions about teaching grammar, I would love to hear from you in the comments box on this page. And make sure you look at my other podcasts about teaching language arts to your learners and look for our next podcast in September when we answer the question, my learner hates to read. What can I do? So until then, enjoy your homeschool journey. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Be sure to visit me at LiteraryCafePodcast.com for this podcast and others, and at Katie's HomeschoolCottage.com for even more ideas and resources for you to use in your homeschool journey. podcast is a production of the ultimate homeschool radio network subscribe to this podcast on itunes google play or any of your favorite podcast apps 
Look for the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Show to keep up to date with all our wonderful podcasts. For a special subscriber printable pack, as well as all our timely freebies, join our email list on theultimatehomeschoolradionetwork.com.